The Denver Broncos select Jay Cutler, quarterback, Vanderbilt. Cutler straight drop, steps up in the pocket. I'm going to be best friends with Jay Cutler. Really? Yeah. Cutler throws and caught for a touchdown. Okay, we got another one. Dane Cook. Big fan, man. Big fan. In college. I mean, you, 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 you remember listening to him, huh? You were the dude for a long oh, time. Oh, man. You look it, good. Yeah, that was, Are you 50? 50 years old, dude. How? You look, <laughs> you look great. Thanks, man. You know what it is? The key? I swim Tell every me. day. You swear every, every day? day? Like, you cuss swim. every day? Well, I, swear. I swear, too. That's my night job. But okay. during the day, I'm in the pool, man. I throw on the old swim. Cold, cold water, warm water, doesn't matter. I like to keep it a little chilly. Yeah. Yeah. Get about a 30 swim every single day, 500 calorie burn. You get out of there feeling like a kid again. Morning, night, does it matter? Every morning, every single morning, get up there and get in the pool and, and do my thing. Get in there, ruminate, come up with the new material. And then by that night, you're working on something that you chipped away while you were, uh, while you were just in there splashing. So you're coming up with your stuff as you're swimming. It's a, it's a great place to. There's nothing else to do, to I guess. Think. Yeah, nothing no, else to you're do. Just, you're tethered in the pool, so you're just on a line, and it's just holding you in one spot. So you're just swimming without thinking about going back and forth. Oh, so you're not even going anywhere. No, it's like the first 10 years of my career. one spot and desperately (laughs) i've talked to a lot of comics though i think that's kind of how it goes like you just sit there for a while and you just grind and grind and grind and grind yeah you got to be terrified for a good you know eight to ten years but then you blew up in a big big way i had nowhere else to go man it it was like (laughs) I'm not even kidding you. I remember like doing road gigs, hell gigs. That's like when you're out on the road. The hell gig for a comedian, just for anybody who wants to understand. Imagine this is your job. You're driving hours for no money to a place that nobody cares that you're coming and they don't give a shit when you leave. That's your that's your gig for a long time. Oh my gosh. We were talking to Nate uh, Bargatsky. He's here in Nashville. And he was like, he yeah. was in New York and he'd be like, We'd go in there for no money, and there'd be like the bartender would be there, empty place. And like you know, he goes, "I'd just be, you know, giving my thing." Yeah, you get like the bartender, some staff, and then you get a manager who never watched the show and would come to you at the end and be like, "Listen, um, you know, there's really no cash, but uh, we'll give you some chicken wings and some spirits." <laughs> at least he didn't starve. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, no, that's the good thing about stand-up. There was a lot of crappy food along the way. There was a lot of sorrows on the side of highways uh-huh. that you would partake in. But, you know, man, it was like it was truly one of those things that I love stand-up comedy so much that even at its very worst, like the worst hell gigs where I didn't think it was ever going to happen from it, it was still better and more fun than the alternative in my mind, which was just like being a dietary aid at a nursing home for the rest of my life. Is that what the alternative was? Uh, that's what I did for a couple of years before I went full-time stand-up. Uh, we'll get into that. But you got, you got a new new stand-up special, Above It All, be released on social media platform Moment, October yeah. 4th. That's exciting. How did you, you get hooked up with Moment? 
Well, I loved what they were doing. Well, first of all, like even previous to that, I felt like with my with my stand up, with my uh, the way I like to collaborate with my audience, and kind mm-hmm. of the way I've always done it, all the way from MySpace up, is I don't like a lot of middlemen with content. There's always like people that want to you know edit things out yeah. or take certain things yeah. away, and then the show that's presenting, you're like, ah, that's not quite my version of how mm-hmm. I wanted to be presented. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to do it independently. So I self-financed the whole special. Oh, wow. I got my director uh, that I've worked with on Vicious Circle and Isolated Incident, Marty Kulner, one of the best ever. And then I told Marty, I said, I, wanted, I want to do this direct to fans. And then Moment had its moment. They just had an incredible uh, time with Andrew Schultz, who put out his thing independently. And it's really kind of the new template, I think, of owning your own IP yeah. and carving out your own path so that you don't have to deal with a lot of middlemen. Totally. I mean, I mean, that's kind of what it is right now. I mean, you can you can put out whatever content you want and shape it however you want, produce it. And, you know, if you're big enough and you're good enough, people are going to watch it, which you are. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is if it's if it's if it's delivered in that way that you're like, oh, this is how I, I meant it to be you know, received at an, at a nightclub or at a theater, yeah. then most likely if that's been getting the laughs, you just want to capture that and air that. And then sometimes you'll go to like, I'm not going to name names, but you'll go to some streamers and they'll be like, okay, you know what? We're going to change one thing. And you're like, all right, we're going to put you in front of a yellow curtain. <laughs> and you're like, aesthetically already, you're taking my fans out of it. Cause they're uh-huh. like, where the, what is this? Yeah. Um, yeah. so you know, self-financed it, shot it at my house up here in uh, the Hollywood Hills. Oh, wow. And uh, it looks beautiful. I think it's aesthetically the best thing I've ever put together. Wow. And it's damn funny, which is uh, why we're here. Absolutely. How'd you come up with the title? It was like a twofer. It was like, okay, so above it all is where I'm at. You know, just the view from what we're looking yep. at all yep. these years in L.A., you know. Uh, came from down there. Uh, had some, you know, funky apartments that I lived in over the years where I'd be looking up at the hills going, man, I hope I can, you know, scrap, put a little scratch together and have a nice view someday. Cause my view right now is a dumpster. <laughs> um, but finally, uh, when I put the title together, it was like not only above it all, but I, in my life of 31 years, both as a professional comedian and just as a person who is remaining introspective and wanting to you know be curious and learn, I just try to stay above negativity, man. I'm all yeah. about like, trying to stay above it all. And trust me, there's a, there's a lot of things and people nipping at your heels when you've got a little bit of success going, you know? Yeah, no, I totally get that. So you grew up in uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts. Born in Cambridge, raised in Arlington. Yeah. Arlington. Were you always funny? Were you always kind of like, uh, you know, telling jokes, class clown, making people laugh? Uh, no, I mean, I was definitely more like of an introvert. I was the kid in school that like, later on when I made it, people would write me and be like, where was this person? You, yeah. you were like oh, the really? you know, wallflower. But when I would get home to entertain my family, I was just like, dude, I was like a whirling dervish, man. I get home and, and skits and music playing and mm-hmm. routines coming up with material since I was in like seventh or eighth grade. Oh, really? Thinking I wanted to do stand up. So yeah, oh, when so I got home, I was caught up. Did you have brothers and sisters? Yeah, so I grew up with uh, in the house that we lived in, two sisters and an older brother. Oh wow! So you, you full full house then? A lot, a lot, a lot. You had an audience then at at that point. Yeah, I mean, more than anyone, it was my mom. My mom was really just like uh, I think she also wanted to see me overcome 
the anxiety that I had as a kid. And so telling her, oh, I'm going to go in front of thousands of people and, and make them laugh when she knew that I had problems, like even like walking out the front door for school, I was getting like worked up and having, you know, anxious moments. She was like my first champion. So okay. she was also the first person I would bomb in front of as well. So she'd be like, honey, don't, that's, don't do that. That's an awful one. Yeah. Yeah. That's an awful one. <laughs> So when you got in with high school, like, what, what happened then? Were you were you writing comedy? Were you doing were you doing small shows at that point or no? I was doing like um, well, I was working a few gigs. I was working at like a video rental place, like a blockbuster type place. Uh, I was oh, working blockbuster! At I remember those. You know, I was just I was just doing anything I could to not go to college and put together um, at least a year of giving stand up a try financially. You know what I mean? Trying to see if I could sure. if I could. Uh, Make Get it. some open mics and mm-hmm. do all that shit. But uh, yeah, during high school, a couple of plays. You know, I did like I was like a song and dance man. I was wearing like bedazzled hats and you know doing that whole thing. I was not a sports guy. It, was, it sucked too because my dad was a BC college graduate. He was a boxer, football player. He still has uh, records at Boston College for like most consecutive free throws in in basketball. I'm his only son, and I'm like the exact opposite of anything athletic wise that mm-hmm. he brought you know i was like in you know west side story and wearing tights and shit were you not athletic or were you just not interested in it i or was both? but i was I, I was like beta at that time mm-hmm. I, I grew into alpha but at that time man i didn't have the i was not the guy in the huddle that was coming up with an alternative plan. I was the I was the guy that if I was on the sidelines, I was trying to convince the coach why the guy next to me should probably go in and play the next play. I'm play. not even kidding. I was, I was intimidated. Really? Well, I mean, it's, I mean, it's yeah. crazy. And then, and, but then you were still like getting up on stage in front of you know random people and, and trying to make them laugh, which I think is one of the hardest hardest jobs out there. It's hard to make people laugh. It's hard to be authentically funny. It was it was tricky. It was definitely like a puzzle that I was interested in continuing to lean into. But to, to put it simply, nothing felt as, even if I had a bad show, bad set, nothing felt as bad as how I felt just in my regular life thinking, man, I am I an insignificant person? But when I go on stage, even if I'm not doing great, sure. there's something significant about me in that moment. I was like, I don't want to give up on that. Wow. When did you leave? Uh, when did you leave uh, Arlington then? I did uh, the Boston comedy scene for about three and a half years. I was in a oh comedy group, did, like improv. And anybody else make it? Stuff. Anybody else make it out of that group? Out of that group, uh, I got one buddy who now lives in Australia. He's a comedian down there, does very well. And then Bobby Kelly, who's an incredible East Coast guy. So everybody's kind of found their found their spot and continues to do it. Um, I went from Boston to, to New York City after about three or four years. Bill Burr drove me to my first apartment in really? uh, New York City. His little red pickup truck. Truck when he was still a dental assistant, kind of, sort of doing stand up. Me and Burr were like, you know, humping around in fucking, uh, you know, little shitbox cars. It's amazing. And- it's amazing that small circle of like comedians that like find each other and have obviously kind of taken over the comedian world the last 20 years man what it was it what was year was that it was great that was like 94 we both started together in boston right around 90 91 and then we were there was a good little group of us man we we're just doing stand-up all over the place and trying to you know trying to figure out how to how do we win this thing and then, and then you went to new york I mean, how, how long were you in new york for 
I did New York for a couple of years. New York was was brutal because that was like that's kind of where as a comic you 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 trim the fat. Everything you think you know as a comedian, everything that you you tout about yourself, really, that stuff doesn't apply. <laughs> you get to New York City, it's like the you know that scene just comes down on you, but it also validates you. If New York passes you, you might have a career. If New York doesn't pass you, you're gonna probably just you know head home and be doing uh you know local fairs for the rest of your life <laughs> how are you i mean you don't have that much life experience at that age like how are you coming up with stuff i mean obviously now you're you're older you've been through ups and downs and i mean it's probably a little bit i mean i don't know if it's easier to come up with 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 stuff but you know at that age you're just i mean you're kind of are you just spitballing things against the wall or just did it come naturally to you was it hard it was starting to, I was starting to figure out like about four years in, because I was doing a lot of colleges, obviously a lot of schools around sure. uh, New England. Sure. And I was fig- dialed into the idea that, okay, I'm not trying to win over a previous generation of comedy fans. I'm, I'm coming up with the new generation of comedy okay. fans. Smart. So I just looked at it as like, I'm going to speak. I'm in my 20s. I'm going to talk like a person's experience in my 20s, yeah. you know. Partying, sex, yep. you know, yep. that, pretty much that. That was a lot of the act. <laughs> um, and then once I hit 30, I, you know, I started doing things that were a little bit more like, you know, maybe I talked a little bit about my mom's fight with cancer and trying mm-hmm. to find some ways to, you know, let people in. But at the same time, how do you observe and report but still remain introspective and keep your integrity and, and, and personal ideas in play? That was, you know, the, the way. Wow. Yeah, it was hard, but. It was the most gratifying thing to be able to share those moments and, and make humor from them. Guys, it's no secret that women love beards and we love growing them. We're trying to at least. But having a great looking beard requires work. And it feels like there's a small army of products you need to get it looking right. Luckily, Beard Club has your back. Well, your face. Beard Club sent me that PT45 trimmer and it's just incredible. And it feels better than any other trimmer I've used. It's sturdy as hell and has amazing battery life. But it's way more than just a trimmer. Beard Club delivers pretty much everything you need for a thicker and fuller looking beard. And yeah, we don't all need the same thing. So Beard Club isn't a one size fits all type of company. Head to beardclub.com slash uncut. Take the beard quiz and they'll recommend a grooming kit that's tailored to you. We don't all have that James Harden beard, but actually he's one of the investors in Beard Club. So why not use the same stuff the beard uses? Grow your best beard today and take 20% off your first order when you go to beardclub.com slash uncut and use code Code uncut. That's beardclub.com slash uncut. Code uncut for 20% off your first order. Uncut with Jay Cutler is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Most of you listening right now are probably multitasking. Yep, while you're listening to me talk, you're probably also driving, cleaning, exercising, or maybe even grocery shopping. But if you're not in some kind of moving vehicle, there's something else you can be doing right now. Getting an auto quote from Progressive Insurance. It's easy, and you can save money by doing it right from your phone. Drivers who save by switching to Progressive save over $700 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Discounts for having multiple vehicles on your policy being a homeowner, and more. So just like your favorite podcast, Progressive will be with you 24-7, 365 days a year, so you're protected no matter what. Multitask right now. Quote your car insurance at Progressive.com to join the over 27 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Companies and Affiliates. National annual average insurance savings by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2020 and May 2021. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
So, I mean, late late 90s, early 2000s, like that's when things started really taking off. Were you still in New York or were you out in L.A.? I came out to – this is kind of funny, man. This is like weird the way, you know, serendipity and the way things work. I was doing like um, – I was doing a comedy competition in 97 up in uh, San Francisco. And this this producer from Hollywood – I'd never mm-hmm. been. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm a producer from Hollywood. You hear that and right away you're like, okay, wait a minute. Am I about to be drugged and like trafficked? <laughs> <laughs> I, okay. He goes, I'm doing a show down in uh, LA. Yeah. And we need, he, he goes, we need some energy. Have you done some acting? I told him I did like a little stage stuff. Yeah. He's like, come down and meet with us. And I ended up on a TV show as Betty White's grandson for a year. What was the show called? It was called Cancelled After a Year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's called uh, Maybe This Time. It was like a Saturday night show. Nobody uh-huh. watched it. It was yeah. me, Betty White, and Marie Osmond played my mother. Oh, and man, that's um, a hell of a cast, dude. It was. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. It was. And Craig Ferguson was uh, worked at the coffee shop that it was set in. Dang. But I stayed in LA for that year. Mm-hmm. I thought, like, oh wow, I'm a big TV star now. And then another bur. I'll br- tell you another. I'll, let me wrap it up with another bur moment. But that show got canceled. Uh-huh. And then Burr was on a show with uh, Molly. Ringwald, he got cast in the same year in a show called Townies, and that show got canceled. And we were at the gym. I remember about a month after everything just fell apart, and we're next to each other and we're doing crunches. <laughs> and after about fifty crunches, I just turned to Burr and I go, "Hey!" And he stopped, and I go, "We're already both failed TV actors." <laughs> and we just laughed and thought, "All right, this is the end." Now we go home and just you know sling jokes locally, but uh, it worked out for us. <laughs> TV show ends. I mean, how? And then, did you, did you get into the uh, comedy scene in LA? Then, yeah. So what happened was this: I, I was doing local comedy just as I was doing that TV show, sure. and I realized that the New York comedy scene was a bunch of Turks coming uh-huh. up, like alpha competitive, like Turks. And yet, the LA scene was a lot of comics that were still kind of. Um, in their showcase era from the 80s into the 90s. And okay. I was the only, like, young blood in town. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, I could either go back to New York and compete with everybody for stage time, or I could pretty much stay here and just bring, like, all the local colleges yeah. to my gig here. So when I saw that working, I was like, all right, I'm going to stay here for a minute. And then it just went meteor, meteor through, the, through the roof. Well, not really right away, because you know what happened was I, I really thought – so the show gets canceled, and then I'm just doing local comedy, and like nobody at that point wants me. HBO's not calling. The places that you're hoping are gonna, you know, see some value in you, like nobody. There was, there was, you know, there was really nothing except like, oh, good show, but no follow up. And then I realized the only way I was ever going to break in or break down that door was to have my own data and analytics. And I did that through MySpace, which was you were one one of the first ones to ever make their own. I mean, and then you did MySpace and then you did uh, DanCook.com, DanCook.com. Yeah, I threw it all together, man. Jay, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to see 23 hours of the day. A comic has nothing to do. Yeah. And you're waiting for that gig at night if you even have one. So did you fund fund the the whole uh, DanCook.com? I did, yeah. I, everything I had was $35,000 at that moment in my life in 99, and I put it all into a website to have Jeez. like a proper... No one else was doing it, right? right? No, no, but I knew I needed like a hub. Mm-hmm. I needed like that central place for fans to see content, and 
be able to get in touch with me. But when I was on MySpace and I saw the first like few hundred fans turn into like doubling that number within a week doing these college gigs, I remember I was dating this girl at the time and she came into my office late at night and she goes, what are you, what are you doing in here? And I literally was like, I was like, listen, look at, see this page. She goes, yeah, I go, I'm building an army. Yeah. And she was like, what? She's like, this is just like some very, you know, tacky looking social media page. And I was like, I hit, hit refresh. I saw 10 more people follow me. I was like, nobody realizes what I'm about to do here. Yeah. So I had a blast. And it was a lot of fun. I mean, it's, it's, it's genius. I mean, you were, I mean, you were kind of, you were ahead of the curve on that. I mean, obviously now like we, we deal with Instagram and Twitter and everything else. And like, that's the, that's the premise of it. But I mean, you're doing this yeah. in early, early two thousands on fucking MySpace. It was like, the, it was good though. Cause it was like the wild west and it wasn't as corporate because now mm -hmm. there's algorithms and there's like, yeah. Yeah. it's all corporate. Back then, man, it was like, everything was very willy nilly. It, you know, it was like the, the internet, I think for a good, you know, three or four year period, it was just like a bastion of hope and yeah. positivity. It was pure. It was pure. <laughs> then one person came into a comment section one day and was like, fuck you. And then everybody <laughs> else, oh, I didn't know I could do that too. <laughs> you started getting heckled in the comment section at that point. And then, but, that was, that was, the, that was the end. In all reality, man. You know, I saw that uh, I saw in that moment that for the rest of my career, it was only ever going to be about um, I mean, the industry comes in and out of your life. And if you're zeitgeisting, then they're going to want a piece of it. But, you know, I tell all people that I you know mentor and especially a lot of young comics, I say, just, you know, get so good that you're undeniable. Yeah. And then everything else will work out. Be undeniable. And uh, don't worry so much about a deal or who's going to think you're undeniable someday. Nobody knows your passion like you do. So you just create your own lane. And I mean, that's what you did. I mean, 2003, uh, Harmful of Swallowed, Certified Platinum. I mean, were you like, hey, I'm, 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 I made it now? Like, were you like, hey, I got to follow this up? Were you shocked that it went that high? It was, it was, all, yeah, it was all those things. But there was just that little there was still that kid, right? Mm -hmm. That kid, that, you know, the, the wallflower that couldn't even fathom that I, I did it, that I really made yeah. something of myself. And there was, you know, that was, a, there's a good chunk of that moment where I really just basked in it. And then you start to realize like, I have to follow up yeah. and now I have to maintain once you're, once you're in the game, yeah. now you got to show people what you, what you, you know, you know, like once mm -hmm. you're in, yeah, then it's a whole different sport. Yeah. Then you, yeah, you gotta, you gotta keep it up. You gotta stay at that level or, I mean, if you dip down, they're going to absolutely crush you. Yeah. Somebody once was like, you ever read the power now? And I'm like, yeah. And then I go, but then once you get in, it's the power of no, right. Fucking now, now, right. Yes. Fucking now, be yeah. ready now, not like prepare for now. Yeah. You better be ready. Go time is right this second. Exactly. You better be funny 24 seven. But I mean, is you it? did, I mean, 2005 retaliation, double platinum. First comic in 27 years, uh, have an album top five of Billboard charts. Yeah. I mean, went back, went back round two and just doubled it up. I had to. It was like, okay, I know everybody's thinking like, all right, this is a fluke. Mm -hmm. that, that's what I got after the first one. It's like, ah, oh, we just clicked some buttons on a website and people bought it. Um, I had to let people know at that moment that uh, – I mean, honestly, I had to let people understand that, uh, no, I'm the comic of this generation. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm coming up with a few people that I was 
you know, I came out of New York with Chappelle. Yep. Um, I came behind Rock, so I was I was always on shows, mm-hmm. getting bumped by Rock when he would come into the cellar in New York, and you know I was surrounded by greatness that was also elevating, and I was like, I'm not, you know, I'm not here for halfway. I'm here to show people that uh, I know what I'm doing. Yeah, I'm always intrigued how you guys come up with your stuff. Like, did you have did you have some guys or some some people around you that were kind of helping you write, kind of throwing things off people? I mean, did you have a group or was it just like you doing it, it's swimming, kind of, talking about your life? I mean, it's 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 always intriguing to me. It's like the way that most comics do it, and this is the way I subscribe to. Is like you work on your shit that's like personal. It's mm-hmm. all observe and report. Something sure. happens to you, you get pulled over by a cop, and you're like, "All right, here's my take on it." And then your close, like your road dog friends, will come to you. That you know, your the Bill Burrs and Patrice O'Neills or uh-huh. Gary Bowman, whoever we were coming up with, and you'll give each other a little bit of like, "Hey, the reality is that I need some work, or that sucked, or oh, that one part that's funny." Uh, build it off of that you know so you kind of go with that but you don't listen to the noise too far out because there's a lot of saboteurs in the comedy industry as well oh, and they don't want to see you get too far ahead of the pack uh-huh uh-huh, uh-huh yeah uh-huh. yeah i mean i guess you gotta have that group of people that are that are really honest with you and they're like hey like this is this is good this sucks kick this one down the road well when you have like a web page though that people can write you trust me your fans will be like <laughs> Your fans would be like, I've seen you be funny three times. What the hell was that thing that I saw the other night? And I would have to write people back and be like, you know, I'm glad that you even checked in. You know, I was trying some new stuff and yeah. maybe I you know, pushed the limits a little bit too far. So <laughs> it, uh, it was all par for the course because ultimately when that second album came out, I knew that uh, I just had to keep my head on straight because I had at least um, received that um, that embrace from the industry of like, mm-hmm. OK, you're you're legit, man. You you. You put yourself in here. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, yeah, I mean, you're using the internet. You're using, I mean, social media. I mean, you were, you were literally hitting it on all cylinders. What, what was the biggest bomb that you had early on where you're like, shit, maybe, was there ever a time like, hey, this isn't for me. I, maybe I need to, maybe I need something else. I need to figure out something I else. mean, I made some real, like some stinker movies that to this day, if I turn on my TV at two in the morning and I'm flipping through the channels, there's some don't say movies. Don't say employee of the month because I love that movie. <laughs> I like that one. No, I like that one. Too. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, no, there were some turds. I mean, there's some. Luckily, I never put out an album or a special that I didn't think was like, you know, ready to go. But yeah, yeah definitely a lot of you know movies. That's out of your. You make a movie. You show up. They put makeup all over you. Yeah. They make you look pretty. They you know put you next to somebody who's you know talented and they're lovely. And you just like every day you're just at, you know, craft service and you're eating snacks and you're just having a blast. And then you go away and a year later you sit, you sit and watch and go, I, what is this? (laughs) (laughs) You put your whole life in the hands of somebody else's vision. It's Uh fun. It's, It's always to me, I love doing films, especially dramatic pieces because it's cool to be a little piece of a, a puzzle of a story. It's so different from stand up. That's, you know, all, you, it's a little lonely stand-up sometimes. Mm-hmm. So you like it, but you also know you're at the liberty of the editing and the directing and a lot of other people oh, that sure. have nothing to do with your personal perspective. For sure, for sure. <laughs> Uncut with Jay Cutler is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Let's face it, sometimes multitasking can be a little overwhelming. Like when your favorite podcast is playing and the person next to you is talking and your car fan is blasting, all while you're trying to find the perfect parking spot. But then again, sometimes multitasking is easy. 
like quoting with Progressive Insurance. They do the hard work of comparing rates so you can find a great rate that works for you, even if it's not with them. Give their nifty comparison tool a try, and you might just find getting the rate and coverage you deserve is easy. All you need to do is visit Progressive's website to get a quote with all the coverages you want, like comprehensive and collision coverage or personal injury protection. Then you'll see Progressive's direct rate, and their tool will provide options from other companies all lined up and ready to compare, so it's simple to choose the rate and coverages you like. Press play on comparing auto rates. Quote at Progressive.com to join the over 27 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. So, I mean, like, I mean, through the 2000s, like, I mean, you you were one of the only, uh, what, you and Andrew Dice Clay, you both sold out uh, Madison Square Garden. You were doing movies releasing albums um wild 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 wave of success in a in a compact amount of time yeah it was really you know it was never an overnight thing it was definitely that long trajectory um that there what's that called like it took me 17 years to become an overnight success Uh 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 it was that kind of thing um but once i was finally in it and building my brand and building my company out and, and uh, realizing beyond just the jokes of the nightly standup routine. Um, I found that part of the industry more gratifying. And now as a person who likes to direct and write and produce, um, I, I get like, uh, I get uh, that jolt from so many different avenues of creativity, not just the standup. Yes. Yeah, so, so, I mean, is that what you kind of did? You kind of got out of solely standup and just, being creative in different different avenues, did you get burned out? You know, by Jay, it? I was I wouldn't say I was burned out. I'm not a bur- I'm 50 and I've I'm up till two in the morning. I'm like I don't burn out. I'm hey, you like, look like my you're 35. Uh, dude, my fi- oh, my fiance is like, how do you do it? And I'm like, I honestly have such love of the game yeah. that it keeps me. I'm always interested and excited about whatever's next. But I wouldn't say burnt out as much as it was like my moment was I'd had my moment. I was like the bell of the ball for yeah. a, a good eight year run. Sure. And it's like, oh, that's starting to become all right. It's a new there's a new comic. There's new, you know, the, the Kevin Hart's coming up the ranks or whoever yeah. my or Burr. Mm-hmm. I realized, OK, it's not a mantle I have to like protect. I'm not fighting for this. I, I get to have this as well as other people that are going to enjoy what I, you know, sure. had the opportunity to, to have that spotlight. So I just looked at it as like uh, took a little break, uh-huh. did some great therapy, got to, got in touch with myself, yeah. worked through some you know worked through some uh, troubles that I that I'd gone through in my life, and That's then life. when I reached, I was ready to bring it back to stand up with uh, isolated incident, which kind of like was really keyed into what I was dealing with in my life at that time. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's like you said, like it's really hard to sustain that that mantle and that for, you know, 20, 25, 30 years. I mean, there, there's so many talented people, um, you know, in your in your industry that it, it, there's going to be ebbs and flows and there's going to be some things that happen. Well, the ebb makes the flow more interesting. You know, it's like we if you don't crash and burn and have some, you know, low watermark moments, um, it's kind of weird. It's like those actually not only inform your next success or endeavor, they, they make it more interesting. They make people root for you more. They make, uh, you know, they make the whole ride even more valuable because you're like, oh, wow, I, I actually, I'm more empathetic. I'm more compassionate. I'm more grateful. Um, and then that 
you know, shines through hopefully in whatever you're putting out there to the people. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Seems like uh, the the uh, the little break stuff. Like you, you learned some things and you've got some new stuff. And I, like you said, uh, uh, your fiance recently engaged. Congratulations. Thanks, bud. Yeah, thanks, man. I'm very happy. Do we got a uh, wedding date? We're looking at next fall. Okay. We're just enjoying this part right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no rush. Does she? Uh, she do you? Do you test your test your new stuff out on her? Does she think you're funny? Nah. Not re- oh yeah no we're she's she's a cut up too so we we laugh a lot but she's it. um she she comes down to the clubs all the time she'll see me working out new stuff mm-hmm. and I know if something's really working because you know she'll give me that nudge at the end of the night when we're walking out of the club yeah and she'll say that thing that you did tonight about the you know whatever it might be sure. I'm like yeah and she's like she's like baby that's that's, that's gold yeah where'd, okay. where'd y'all meet. <laughs> Because I've been with I've been with you know girls over the years that yeah. the worst joke of the night for me in my head they'd be uh-huh. like I like that thing that you did and I'd be like yeah that's <laughs> you're you're not the one for me then kick them down the, <laughs> kick them down the street <laughs> next up please <laughs> where'd you where'd you guys uh, meet um, we met in L A I was actually I used to um, for a couple year run I. Um, we had a, a like a game night where people would come over and we would do like code names or running charades or mm-hmm. mafia. Mm-hmm. And I just met her there. We were we were buds for a little bit, and then it uh, it's cheesy. I won't you know make it too modeling, sure. but it's like it, it like blossomed naturally over yeah. like a period of time. That's the best way to do it, I think. Yeah, hell yeah, worked out for you anyway. So what else you got going on? We're swimming. We got a. Uh... New new stuff coming out. Anything else cool happening? Yeah, man. So the special above it all. Uh, yep. Once that drops, what we're going to do? Well, first of all, we're having a big um, premiere at Man's Chinese Theater. Um, it's the first stand-up special to ever premiere at that historic venue. So I'm super proud that I finally get to see it with uh, another large audience in that uh, in that spot. And then after that, I started basically a documentary about my life and comedy career, but really focusing on the whole middle part where I went through this experience of having to put my brother in prison. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, well, you'll see that when the documentary comes out, you're you're going to see some gnarly shit, man. I went through some, I went through some really, uh, some undertale moments. And so we, I, I wanted to do a documentary with this group of great producers that approached me and said, why don't we do something we key in on all the crazy shit that happened when you were putting your brother in, in jail? And I was like, that sounds interesting to me. That's like comedy and tragedy all in one. Yeah, that sounds, um, that sounds, when's that going to be out? We're going to start it actually. We're filming it in a couple of weeks and then we'll okay. go through. I'm, I'm assuming next fall it'll probably yeah. be launched up and ready. So, so you're busy uh, and then as I'm hell. trying to get a TV show made that uh, I've been writing for the last couple of years. What's it about? Uh, it's kind of like a pulp fiction set in Vegas. It's okay. uh, about a couple of very, very nasty uh, hitmen awesome. that uh, get em- em- embroiled in something. It's, it's, uh, yeah, man. It's kind of like one of those th- stories that I've been wanting to tell for about ten years. So mm-hmm. I got a little bit of scratch. I got some financiers yeah. who got behind it. They like yeah. it, and so I'll see if I can direct this TV show and star in it uh, maybe sometime in the spring. You got You're busy. I like to be busy, man. <laughs> I are, like it. Yeah, you're, you're busy. You got a lot of things going on. Gonna get married. Um, TV shows, documentaries, uh, n- 
new comedy stuff. This is awesome. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm happy for you. Uh, man, I appreciate that. I love it. I love what I do. I like to stay busy, and I wanted to make something for the fans. You know, I wanted to make something that when people watch it, they felt like this was truly everything that I could put from 31 years of doing what I've been doing into one show. So I, I really hope people enjoy it and have a lot of laughs with it. Oh, I think they will. You, uh, you've, you've been one of the best for a long time. I've been a big fan. Uh, Above It All premieres uh, October 4th on social media platform Moment. Uh, look for Danny. He's got a bunch of new stuff coming out, uh, documentary, TV show, um, and, of course, uh, his new comedy special. So I appreciate you taking the time, man. I know you're busy, obviously. I'm going to go invest in a new webcam, Jay, right now. <laughs> As, Brandon can send you some on Amazon probably just two clicks away. Hey, man, I really appreciate you having me, and uh, oh, I've enjoyed you. the podcast. I appreciate it. Thanks for the time. Got it. See you, bud. I don't remember anything about that game. First of all, I was so pissed, uh-huh. but I was so drunk. <laughs> What's up, heroes? I'm Brendan Fitzgibbons. And I'm Sophie Santos. And we're the co-hosts of the new comedy sports podcast, Hammered, Hammered Heroes. Heroes. On Hammered Heroes, we celebrate the best performances by professional athletes while they were hammered, on drugs, or horribly hungover. Myself, since Hannah and Sean, prior to the game, we would take a little shot. Each week, we'll discuss a game or incident that focuses on an athlete's mind-blowing performance despite being extremely hammered. Doc Ellis working on a no-hitter. It was easier to pitch with the LSD. That's the way I was dealing with the fear of failure. Think of it as drunk history meets 30 for 30 meets jackass. We're going to have the best comedians, sports personalities, and even the hammered heroes themselves. And then we're even going to try and recreate some of these legendary performances. Will we always be drunk? No. Yes. It's, it's Hammered, Hammered Heroes. Heroes. Available wherever you get your podcasts. So the, the, the record was 73. 73 beers and a cross-country flight. Yeah.